morning. It is Friday, May 8th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. As many parts of the country tentatively begin to reopen as stay-at-home orders are lifted, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about the virus. How many people have it? How deadly is it? Are people who've had it immune from getting it again? There really is no scarcity of ideas about what might happen as we begin to reopen, and these first phases of reopening are turning into big experiments to test these unknowns. Meanwhile, the national conversation about when and how to safely open up is ratcheting up, and it seems to become more polarized by the day as people tire of the restrictions. Today on Community Pulse, we're going to talk a little bit about this national conversation that is playing out in the news, social media, and indeed here on this show. With me on the line is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. There's so much to cover here, Elizabeth. I'm sure we'll just skim the surface, but thanks for joining oh my us God. today. <laughs> hey, thanks. Um, I'm going to start out with some numbers. Uh, 3.92 million people in the world have documented COVID. Seven, 200 and 2,000 people have lost their lives to it, and 1.4 million people are still recovering. The United States, uh, 1.293 million, um, 777,000, sorry, I want to be clear about that, not hundreds of thousands of people at this point, 77,000 people have died, and 217,000 people are recovering. Um, in Missouri, 9,649 documented cases with 452 deaths, and there's um, the average, so the new cases per day, average over the last seven days is 272 new cases. So we do not have a declining, um, it's this complicated thing of saying, the number of new cases is not declining. So we're still um, either stable or on the upswing here in Missouri. Uh, Boone County has 97 cases, Saline County 44, Cole County 55, Monotaw 213, and Buchanan County, St. Joseph is 404. So we're still seeing increases in cases across Missouri, and that does not seem to be slowing. But I wanted to, <laughs> so I finally, people, many people have sent me a particular video of a interview with a um, a scientist who is making some really strong claims. And I um, uh, finally listened to the whole thing yesterday. Uh, it was painful for me um, because um, there were just, I'm just going to go through it. Um, I'm trying to be really, to just be neutral about the facts. So um, one of the things that this person claims is that Anthony Fauci um, uh, is a fraud and um, held up an article that she was trying to publish and the delay and then someone else took, took credit for it and the delay cost um, uh, thousands of lives. And that is a pretty um, remarkable claim and there's no evidence to back it up. So we're not told what the study was, what the treatment was. Um, how it show me the evidence of that that would have saved um, thousands of lives. Um, there's no evidence besides this person's claim that Anthony Fauci was involved. Um, 
uh, also, the, she makes a claim that vaccinations kill millions of people. And I am a person who has some skepticism about vaccinations. I believe that um, they are biologicals with a with known effectiveness and no dangers, and that neither of those things are 100% perfect the way we would want them to be, and that some people should not be vaccinated. And I'm very willing to advocate for people who should not be vaccinated, even though that is a really unpopular position. But I think the claim that vaccinations kill millions of people is um, not correct and is inflammatory. Um, she claims without any evidence that the virus was manipulated um, because it was studied in a lab and that there's no way for a virus to jump species without it taking hundreds of years. Again, with no links to any scientific evidence uh, about that. And there's, I was fascinated this week to, to listen to a lecture given in 2011 by a genetic, um, an in, what do I want to say, a evolutionary geneticist, that's the word, who was looking at exactly this and how viruses do move from one species to another. And according to his research, um, this happens fairly quickly. And again, he it's not having any axe to grind about coronavirus because this was a lecture given in 2011 before we even had this thing. Um, and he actually showed how the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic was preceded by an equine, a horse uh, epidemic, maybe pandemic, that it uh, absolutely undermined the ability of the world, or at least the United States and Canada, to generate power. Um, and it had military consequences because so many horses were sick with this suddenly. Um, and then... I'm trying to remember, less than a decade later, we had the 1918-1919 influenza pandemic. And um, and I don't remember, I don't want to make any claims. There was some connection between those two. I think that they were considered the similar virus, but um, evolutionary. So the idea that it takes hundreds of years for this to happen without intervention in a lab just isn't supported by the rest of what we think we know about viruses moving from one species to another. Um, there, I've seen it widely claimed that there was a study in the United States military that military personnel who received the flu vaccine were somehow more susceptible to dangerous uh, coronavirus infections. And when you look at the actual study, it shows the opposite, that people who got influenza vaccination were less likely to get influenza and also less likely to get the common cold caused by a coronavirus, not this one because the study was done last year before we knew about this one. Um, there's also some stuff in there about how masks are going to make you sicker and that washing your hands makes you sicker. And, oh, my goodness, it's just frightening for me. Okay, I'm sorry, getting getting emotional. Hand washing is really clearly supported by the evidence, all the evidence that we have, especially for health professionals. So I find it deeply concerning to hear health professionals publicly stating that washing our hands is a bad idea. It is true that we need exposure to a wide variety of microbiomes in order microbiological organisms to be able to be healthy, that we have a gut microbiome. I've talked about this extensively on your health matters. This is really important. And so exposure to dirt and animal manure and surface water, so swimming in ponds and fermented vegetables and fresh raw vegetables right out of the garden 
It's why I go to the farmer's market. It's why I buy Farmer Dan's crowd. It's why I make my own crowd. It's why I garden without gloves. These things are important. And also, hand washing and mask wearing are important things. And I am not aware of any data that says that washing your hands or wearing a mask is a danger to you. I have also been in conversation with someone on Facebook who is claiming that we should not wear masks when we're not in direct contact, contact with other people because it decreases the amount of oxygen we get in our bodies, and I am unaware of any science that shows that. There are some people who in news reports are speculating about it, but I think that this would be a pretty easy study to do. You put a mask on somebody, you put a pulse oximeter on their finger, and you measure it, and I think that if we had found this, we would know about it. So, um, uh, uh, and oh, you re-breathing your own moist air, and you're going to get your own viruses back. Um, I'm unaware of that being a problem. Um, and then Mike Hagan also sent me something, and this this video says something about um, that the hydroxychloroquine is being dismissed and demonized. And and when I look through the Centers for Disease Control guidelines for practitioners who are treating COVID infection, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, remdesivir, and several other drugs who I was unfamiliar with and I need to learn about are listed as options for treating people with serious infection. Um, the, there are ongoing randomized clinical, randomized controlled trials that are ongoing of hydroxychloroquine for use in COVID-19. There are ones that are now beginning and, and enrolling um, uh, participants. An initial study did show that, especially at higher doses, hydroxychloroquine is associated with severe, potentially fatal cardiac, uh, heart rhythm disturbances, and these should not be dismissed. Uh, even though we have used it safely for malaria, um, when we are combining it with someone who needs to be on a ventilator in an intensive care unit, uh, that low oxygen situation makes the heart more vulnerable to uh, uh, rhythm disturbances. And so we need, and who knows, maybe COVID-19, maybe SARS-CoV-2, the virus that's causing this pandemic, may it seems to have an impact on the heart. And is it making it more vulnerable to heart rhythm disturbances and so maybe a drug that's safe for people who are traveling internationally is not safe for people who are infected with this virus and I think these are legitimate things to ask and this does not mean that we're dismissing or demonizing it's my understanding that hydroxychloroquine is being widely used and it is being offered to many people who are uh, being hospitalized for uh, COVID-19. So um, I think that that just uh, a quick Google search of hydroxychloroquine clinical trials would show you what is actually happening. And it takes not very much time to do that before you spread that uh, ongoing rumor. People are concerned that there's a whole lot of, uh, this, what is it, there's massive data that supports hydroxychloroquine's use. And when people send me articles, it is preliminary studies that are promising and exciting and hopeful and deserve further follow-up. So Mike sent me a, a link to an article that showed that hydroxychloroquine decreases viral replication in um, primate cell cultures. Okay, that's, a, that's promising, but that's not the same as what does it do in a body. So it deserves further follow-up, and that's happening. And it deserves to be available to people who want to use it in the meantime, and that's happening. Um, let's see. 
the numbers of COVID uh, deaths are being inflated and the number of COVID admissions are being inflated because Medicare is paying doctors more money to say that somebody had COVID. <sighs> Medicare funding for hospital care is very complex and and um, goes like this. We used to pay people, pay hospitals from Medicare based on what they charged. So if you somebody went in the hospital, just all of the things that we used would get charged to Medicare. It's one of the reasons why, you know, a bag of saline that costs a dollar to make costs $50 when your insurance company pays for it because hospitals were almost incentivized to charge the most they could. Um, and there's these complex things like Medicare expects teaching hospitals to, to pay their residents out of the money they make taking care of Medicare patients without really adding that on. So there are these un, unfunded things that hospitals do. So there, there are these all of these drivers to increase the cost of, medic, of charges. So Medicare went to a different way of charging, and that's based on you get paid based on the diagnosis of the person in the hospital. And that is true whether it's appendicitis or a sinus infection or pneumonia or um, breast cancer. And so you get paid based on the diagnosis. And then there are all these qualifiers, okay, breast, breast cancer with a complication. You also get paid for certain procedures. But what we're talking about is how we get paid for the care in the hospital of somebody with covid and so, yes, if you code that somebody has um, uh, pneumonia and needs to be on a ventilator, that gets coded, that gets paid differently than pneumonia that doesn't require a ventilator. And in the CARES Act, apparently there was a 20% increase if the person you were treating had COVID, and that was intended to pay for these extra things that hospitals were doing, like the testing program in the um, in the parking lot with staff and PPE and all of the lab supplies, the, those things are expected to be done free and they are being done free. And this is part of what that's supposed to cover. It's also supposed to cover the marked increase in the use of personal protective equipment and the increase of pay that they have to, to pay once their hospital staff gets sick and they have to pay other people to take care of these folks. So I think we could all understand why, taking care of a COVID patient would cost more. And so the Medicare said, yeah, well, let's pay you more. The thing to remember is that the hospital is who gets paid for it, not the doctor who writes the code. And it's not just, oh, if you code that on the death certificate, then the hospital gets paid. The death certificate is totally separate stream of papers. And as far as I know, Medicare is not looking at the death certificates. They're looking at the coding that happens at discharge, and they're also then they have the opportunity to ask for the chart and look to make sure that the notes and the chart on a daily basis verify that that's the diagnosis. There are serious penalties for Medicare fraud, and I have watched um, articles of physicians going to federal prison for Medicare fraud. And so it is possible that people would do Medicare fraud to line their own pockets. It is a stretch to believe that vast amounts of physicians are using doing, doing Medicare fraud to line the pockets of the hospitals where they admit patients, most of whom are not employing them, although I guess that's shifting some. So I think that that is a misrepresentation of what's going on, and I think that there are a lot of 
Oh, then the other thing that's claimed is that um, that physicians are deliberately killing people by putting them on ventilators. And um, that one, um, I think, uh, is uh, I'm not the person that's putting people on ventilators, so I'm not feeling a personal insult. But I think that that is really a big stretch. Are we overusing ventilators? Maybe. Are we underusing ventilators? Maybe. Are we doing it wrong? Maybe. Are we trying to learn to do it better? Yes. No physician I know of delights in the death of their patients. Indeed, it's quite the opposite. This is traumatic to watch another person die, especially when you invested your a lot of your time and energy, maybe sleep deprivation for a week. And then you see it's for sure a failure. It's also a tragedy. You cared about that person. You've probably met their family. This is, um, without any evidence, that's a pretty outrageous claim. She also claims that Italy got a lot of COVID because the flu vaccine was contaminated with COVID. Again, without any quoting, any scientific evidence of that, the 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 course of this disease through their um, the pattern of who got sick is very consistent with the way what we believe and what we know about the spread of respiratory viruses and not at all um, consistent with the way it would look if this was from contaminated flu vaccines. Again, without any documented evidence, without any link to here's a study that somebody looked at the vaccine and found coronavirus in it, and then we are looking at was the pattern of illness consistent with the way flu vaccination was it it's uh, yeah so um let's see i'm trying to remember if there are other things that we wanted to talk about that's my list tim what am i forgetting are you hearing things that you want me to talk about well i i think that's a lot to take in for this morning and we've only got a few minutes <laughs> left so i don't want right. i don't want our listeners to be lost in the in the fog of information these days, it, it's so difficult sometimes to tell uh, which information we should be listening to. Okay, and so here are some guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if there is um, only one person's voice and they don't say things like, I'm not sure, we don't know yet, the research is still out there, we need to do further studies, or they're not interviewing people with conflicting ideas, then I think your level, your the hairs on the back of your head should stand up. If there's also um, scary impending music behind there, that I, I just stop listening. Um, when people you jaw dropping, um, uh, millions of deaths, somebody's responsible. This person's a liar. That person is a fraud. Those are things that um, are deserve substantiation. And the other thing is that many of these claims are being um, debunked on, or not debunked, are being countered on places like Snopes. Um, and I understand some people don't think Snopes is totally unbiased. That's probably true. It's run by people. People have biases. But it's another perspective, and we should keep looking for other perspectives. Um, so people who are credible to me quote sources, and when you follow the links, you get to actual published data in scientific journals. And they're willing to admit that they might be wrong, and they're willing to, to um, uh, uh, entertain ideas that are not the ones that they're promoting. 
Well, thank you for sharing your perspective on that. Um, I think we're going to have to wrap up for the day, but do you have any final thoughts before we we leave? No, and we'll be on tomorrow to... to Monday. Deep, deep, farther dive into it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday. Thank you so much, Dr. Alleman. All right, once again, we were speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman local family physician and host of Your Health Matters here on KOPN, which airs every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to your community radio station, KOPN Columbia. We are listener-supported and volunteer-operated and powered by the donations of our community. So if you like programs like Community Pulse or Democracy Now! or many of the wonderful music programs, please offer your support. You can visit us at kopn.org to make a donation in support of community radio. It's important now more than ever in these times. Thanks for listening. We've got uh, Open Mic Radio coming up next with guest Justin Hickerson, followed by Speaking of the Arts at 10 a.m. with host Diana Moxon. She'll be checking in with Ragtag Cinema, the Columbia Art League, the Missouri Symphony Orchestra, Skylark Bookshop, and Talking Horse Productions. This is Speaking of the Arts at 10 a.m., Mid-Missouri's only comprehensive arts show which you can find here at 89.5. Thank you so much. We will be back with Community Pulse next week on Monday at 9 a.m. So please stay tuned. Thanks for listening.